Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cbchurch.org. We've been in this series, uh, next week will be our last week. We've been in this series that we're calling Lead the Way. And Lead the Way is about where we're going as a church this year. It's the vision that God's put on my heart that I believe is for the church of where we're going and what we're going to be doing in this next year. And we started this and we talked about where did, where did Lead the Way come from? Where, where did that even come from? And I've, I've told you this before, about nine months ago, I was praying and I was just reading the scripture and I was reading through 1 Samuel and I saw the story of David and Goliath for about the 80th time. Some of you, it's even more times than that. And you know this about reading the scriptures that at different times, God just put dif- different things on your heart. And I was reading the story and I saw again where the Israelite army was out and they were fighting the Philistines and they weren't really fighting. They were just lining up uh, from each other every day. So they kind of line up on this mountain and this mountain and then there's this little valley in below. And, and every day the champion, Goliath, the champion is one who comes out in between two is what that means and he would come out and he would just start screaming and yelling at the Israelites and they were all very intimidated and they were scared and they didn't want to fight him and and basically what what they did oftentimes in those days it wasn't uncommon to say look I'm going to stand out here I'm Goliath right he's a big huge guy and he says you send out your best the two of us will fight and it's winner take all and that was fairly common and so he would go out there and shout as the champion and and the soldiers trained soldiers these Israelites, right, they would, they, would, they would run. They were scared. They were afraid of him. One day, David's at home. His brothers are out to battle. David's the youngest of his brothers, and his dad says, hey, your brothers are out to battle. I need you to take some uh, food. I need you to take some food out to your brothers who are out to battle. So David heads off of the food, and right about the time he gets there, they're all lined up across from each other, these two armies, and about the time David gets there, here comes Goliath, and he just shouts and yells at him. And they're all terrified, and they're hiding under rocks, and they're running. Even King Saul, their king, even their king was afraid. And David's like, what's, uh, what's going on here? And a couple of the soldiers clue him in on it. He says, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. Nobody will go out and fight this guy. And so David, the young shepherd boy, he says, I'll fight him. And it was very interesting to me that the trained soldiers, instead of doing what they were supposed to do, they were all kind of hiding in fear. And a young boy comes out and says, I'll lead the way. I'll fight him. And what I saw that was so interesting to me was at the end of that story, what you found is that because David did that, all the men come out and they, you know, David goes and he fights Goliath. You know the story, right? Swings a rock, boom, nails him right here, drops the the giant. And as soon as he does that, now all the other Israelites, they come out and they're shouting and they're whooping it up and they chase down the Philistine army and they attack them. And I feel like today, sometimes in the culture, that's a little bit of what's going on. We're all a little bit afraid. We're not real sure what to do. You know, maybe sometimes it's more we don't know what to do. But things are going on in the culture and the Christian voice is being heard. And I don't mean, I don't mean that we need to be more contentious and we need to get into political brawls. That's exactly what we don't need. We've had plenty of that. We need God's people to step up and be God's people. Right? And so that's why we say we need to lead the way. And so we've laid out, we've talked about, look, first of all, it's going to start with a legacy. And the legacy isn't going to be about how much money we're going to leave somebody or some great thing. That we're, it's, it's going to be our spirit. It's a yes God. A yes God spirit will leave a yes God legacy. Will we say yes to whatever God calls us to? Right? And then we said this, that it's going to be about trust. And we talked about the difference between trust and believe. We said it's a big difference. You can believe something but not fully trust it. Right? Trust means, if you were here, if you missed it, you you can go back and watch the video. But we said trust means get in the wheelbarrow. Right? That's what trust is. You actually get in it. No, I trust. 
And when we trust God, when we trust God with, with everything that we have. And then last week we talked about honor. And we said this, that we honor God when we give God what is due God. I'll say it again. We honor God when we give God what is due God. And that's in every area of our lives. We always say there's about five T's of, of, of honor, right? Five, five T's that we, we honor God with our, with our talents. We honor God with our time. We honor God with our ticker, with our heart. We honor God. We honor God with our temple, with our body. Like what, not only what we do with our body, sometimes it's what we do to our body, right? Do we honor God with that? And then we honor God with our treasures. We honor God with all of those things. And we're going to honor God. We said that, that we're going to honor God. Well, this week we're going to talk about transformation. And what you're going to see after this week is what this is really all about it's ultimately, it's going to come down to transformation. God is in, the, is in the habit of transforming. And so I want you to watch this video to get an idea of what we're talking about. don't remember um, forming a relationship with Jesus. Like I remember hearing about God and things of that nature, but it just felt like, okay, we're going to church on Sunday morning. We can check it off the list. I just felt like there were a lot of rules and I had to like do certain things to get God's love. I just experienced different things um, growing up that were hard, like bullying and abusive relationships. I grew up thinking that Oh, I must not be worthy of love. I must not be worthy of being treated with respect. I got into drinking heavily. I got into partying, going to the clubs. That was my way to suppress my pain. That was my escape. It caught up with me eventually. I actually ended up getting into some legal trouble. I was drinking and driving. I ended up actually being arrested. I had to go to my first day of college with an ankle bracelet on. I was just like, okay, I can't live like this anymore. I feel like God was speaking to my heart and he was telling me, Angela, I have so much more for you. I prayed a prayer and I said, Lord, show me what church you want me to go to. I walked into Cedar Valley Church for the first time and I was very afraid. So I go and I sit and I'm kind of in the back trying to kind of hide myself. And I remember the pastor getting up on stage that Sunday morning and he said, today we're gonna play a song that not everybody agrees with, but we believe God can speak through any song. And it said, come just as you are to me. Don't need apologies. Know that you are worthy. I'll take your bad days with your good. Walk through the storm I would. I do it because I love you unconditionally. And when I heard those lyrics, I, I felt like God was speaking directly to me. And he was saying, Angela, it doesn't matter what you've done. I love you unconditionally. There's no mistake you could ever make. 
that is going to cause me not to love you. And I felt the presence of God come meet me in that place so strong like never before. I felt like the weight of the world was lifted off of my shoulders. And I was like, oh, I gotta come back to this church. And so I got plugged in. A life group was transformational for me. It was the first time that I felt like I could be real. Like these people, I didn't feel judged by them. I just felt loved by them. I even took advantage of the prayer mentoring here at Cedar Valley. I received so much healing in those sessions. And God has shown me, Angela, nothing that you've been through is wasted. I'm going to use everything that the enemy meant for evil for your good. I said, I gotta get on the prayer team at Cedar Valley. Like I'm fired up and I wanna pray for people. That is what I live for. I live for ministering to others and just giving them hope that God is going to help them through it. And if you're feeling like you're in a dark place right now, God wants to help you. He wants to bring you healing. He wants to set you free from the bondage, from the heaviness that you feel. You're not alone, friend. You're not alone. God, God is with you and He will never leave you nor forsake you. Just call on the name of Jesus and He will show up for you. He will help you. Give her a big hand. I'm gonna hand you this. And I appreciate you so much. I always feel like if I had a second older sister, it'd probably be you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, when is, that, when is that not okay, you know? <laughs> but I, I just appreciate your story so much. And, and Angela just has ministry at our church, and I appreciate that so much. And so just give us a quick snapshot. Give us, give us the, because you've been transformed. Give us the before and the after. Just give us a quick snapshot. Yes. So before I had an encounter with Jesus here in this building, um, I just allowed how people treated me and the identity that they placed on me um, to define me. And so I was really weighed down by feelings of not being worthy, not being loved, not being um, you know, worthy of being treated with respect just because of what I went through. And so I just had a lot of heaviness and a lot of shame and a lot of guilt that I carried. Um, and then I met Jesus and he radically changed my life with his Amen. love. Amen. And so this is what I love because it's one thing to be transformed and that's, a, I'm not minimizing that because that's a big deal, but I know you have ministry at this church. And I appreciate that so much. We appreciate that. So tell us, uh, tell us now about your ministry here at this church. What do you do here? Yeah, so um, I'm involved in the prayer ministry here um, because I've seen the power of prayer and what it can do, right? I was in the prayer mentoring and I got so much healing in that, um, in those sessions, the Holy Spirit would just come. We would just welcome the Holy Spirit in to come and reveal to me anything that he wanted to heal. And he would do that. He would bring back a memory and we would address 
address that and he would bring healing. So I just got really um, passionate about prayer because mm. I wanted to help people yeah. um, the way God has helped me and how other people have helped me through my journey of healing and my continued healing. Love it. Love it. Because that's the next step of transformation. I mean, Angela doesn't work here at the church, but she has ministry here. And that's the next step of, 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 of transformation. So I'm going to ask you to do this, because what we want is we want to be transformed. I mean, deep down, I think we all want to be transformed. And so I'm going to ask you, would you pray for us as a church? I'm going to ask you to just hold your hands out and just receive the blessing of this prayer that we would be transformed. Yes, I'd be honored to pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would come and have your way right yes. now. Holy Spirit, come. God, I just thank you that everyone that you have brought here today, God, is for a purpose, God, because you want to bring transformation yes. in their lives, God. You want to bring healing in their hearts and their minds, God. So I just pray for everyone that is in this place and everyone that is watching online. God, I yes. ask that you would touch them by the power of your Holy yes. Spirit now, yes. God, and that you would reveal yourself yes. to them as their father, a father that loves them, a father that is not angry at them or Amen. ashamed Amen. of them. Amen. No, nothing that we have ever done or will ever do will keep us from your love, God. So Lord, I just pray that you would help us to understand that and receive that, God. Mm -hmm. Your love, your transformational love, God. You're so worthy to be praised, yes. Lord. Thank you for touching everyone's heart and yes. mind here today. Have your way, Holy yes. Spirit. In Jesus, name. in Jesus' name, amen. Man, sister, would you guys give her a big hand? Give her a big hand. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. It's just so good. And there are a lot of stories of transformation in this place. It's just, it's exciting. So we're going to see that today. Now we've seen it in someone's life. We've heard it from, from one of our contemporaries. And now we're going to see it in the scripture. So I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles. Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. You'd flip there in the Bible. And then once you get that, if you just stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet. And if you're new, uh, again, we won't up down the whole morning. But we always do this when we read our primary text. Because it's us acknowledging to God that this is God. This is God about to speak to us. And we want to acknowledge that. Genesis chapter 17. I'm starting in verse 1. And it says this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. I'm God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I'll make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abraham fell face down on the ground. And then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you speak to us today. Thank you that you use your word to speak into our lives. Holy Spirit, give us understanding. Give us ears to hear. What are you saying to us? And God, I say that collectively to us, but I also say that individually. I'm asking that you would speak to each individual, that they would hear you individually. What are you saying specifically to them? 
God, draw us to you. We want to be transformed. Grant us that, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Well, let me ask you a quick question. You can just think this in your head. You don't have to shout it out. But when you hear the power of God, when you hear that phrase, the power of God, the power of God, what most often comes to mind? Right? What do you most often think of? The power of God. Got it? All right, turn to somebody next to you and just start discussing it real quick. I'll give you about 30 seconds to a minute. What, what comes to mind when you say the power of God? What do you think of? Okay, how many people got the answer right? <laughs> right, good. So here's what we're going to talk about this morning just a bit. We're going to talk about this. Where do we most often see the power of God today? Where, where do we most often see it? And it might, be, it, it might be a little surprising to you. Where do we actually most often see the power of God? So look in your text, look in your text, Genesis chapter 17, and it says this. When Abram, his name is still Abram, and I want you to note this, he's 99 years old right now. At this point, he's 99 years old. Now, when God, you remember this, and I don't have a map up today, but he was down in Ur of the Chaldeans. It was probably down in Iraq, and he was with his father, Terah. He was with his own wife, Sarai. Her name was Sarai at the time. He was with his nephew, Lot, and God called Terah and said, hey, I want you to eventually go to Canaan. That would be modern-day Israel, but they didn't go straight across because you'd have to go across the desert, and if they traveled across the desert, they'd probably all die. So they went up to a place called Haran. Haran, because of where it was in the Euphrates River Valley, it was known as the land of comfort. We've talked about this, you remember, that they would eventually go down into the land that's called the promised land or the land of promise. And how often in our own lives do we miss out on the promises of God because we settle for comfort? Welcome to America, right? And so now he's been up there, and now after maybe three to five years, God reveals himself to a man named Abram. He didn't worship God. He worshiped the moon God. He worshiped a variety of gods. God revealed himself, and he said, I want you to go down into the land that I'm showing you. And he made him all kinds of promises. And Abram went down there with his nephew Lot. Now they've been in the land just for a little bit, and he and Lot have had some separation, and they, they had to split, and eventually Lot was captured, and Abram rescued him. You remember all that? And so now it's been, it's been 25 years since God originally called him. 25 years it's been. He's now 99 years old. And so as the Lord appeared to him, and he said this, I am, now watch this. This is really important. If I had a Bible in front of me, I'd circle this, I'd highlight, I'd, I'd underline. This is what God says, I am El Shaddai. El Shaddai, a lot of you have heard that name before. If you grew up in the church, you've been around the church, you may not have heard it, but he says El Shaddai. Now, there are about 100, over 100 names for God. There are different names of God. And, he said, and it means God Almighty. That's what it means. Now, El Shaddai, God Almighty, means the God of all power, but literally it means the overpowerer. God is saying, hey, I'm the overpowerer, which means this. If I say something's going to happen, I don't care who's there. I don't care who's in the way. I'm God. I'm the overpower. It's going to happen. When it's my purpose, when it's my will, it's going to happen. And that's how he introduces himself to Abraham. Now, this is very interesting to me because God could have used any name. He could have used any name. He could have introduced himself with any name. There's a jillion names of God. He could have named his, himself as El Elyon. He could have revealed himself that way. El Elyon is the God most high. I'm the God over everything. He didn't introduce himself that way. He could have said, I'm Jehovah Nisi, right? The, the banner, your victory. He, he didn't introduce himself that way. He chose specifically not to. Jehovah Rapha, the healer. Some of you, you need to meet the healer, Jehovah Rapha. 
That's God. But he didn't introduce himself that way. Jehovah Shema, I'm the one who's there. I'm the present God. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the present God. Didn't do that. El Alam, the everlasting. I was there before you, Abram. I'll be there forever after you. I'm the everlasting. Didn't introduce himself that way. I'm Jehovah Jireh. We sing a song here at church. Jireh. You know what I'm talking about. Jireh. We sing that. It means God the provider. Who didn't like my singing just now? It means God the provider. That's what that means. He didn't introduce himself that way. He could have said, I'm Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Nope. Didn't do that. He specifically said, I am Jehovah. Or he said, I'm El Shaddai. Right? Look at the text. I'm El Shaddai. He's 99 years old. I'm El Shaddai. I'm the Almighty One. I'm the Overpowerer. If I say it, it's going to happen. And then he says this to him. We've got to look at this. He says, serve me faithfully, continually, continually. Serve me faithfully. But he also says this, live a blameless life. Now, we oftentimes think this is, hey, be perfect. Be holy. Don't sin. That's not what he's saying here. Blameless here means whole. It means complete. He's saying, serve me. Live before me completely holy with all of you. I want all of you. And I think this is just a truth. I think we need to know this today, that God is not looking for more of you. That's not what God wants. God does not want more of you, just so you know that. The truth is this, God wants all of you. God wants us to live blameless. Like, I want all of you. I want everything you got. I want your heart. I want your soul. I want your mind. I want all the gifts and talents that you have. Everything that, I, that you have is actually mine. It's mine. I want it all. I want all of you. That's what God is really saying. Right? He's saying, listen, I am El Shaddai, the overpowerer. When I say it, it happens. I'm the almighty one. I want you to live before me, not just faithfully, blameless, whole, complete. I want all of you. It goes on and he says this, I'll make a covenant with you. I'll make a covenant, an agreement with you. In fact, I'm going to guarantee you. That's what his covenant is. I'll guarantee to give you countless descendants. God is saying, I will give you countless descendants. And Abraham is thinking to himself, I'm 99. And he still doesn't have any kids. And he's got to wonder, what's, what's going on here? Like, God, I've heard you say that before. You're going to make us into a great nation. You remember he said that? We talked about that week one. God has said... Go into the land, the land that I'm giving you. I'll make you into a great nation. That was 25 years ago. Now he's 99. Still doesn't have any kids. Passage goes on and says, when Abram was, oh, uh, there we go. At this, when God said that, I'll make this covenant with you. God says, Abram, uh, Abram's, uh, what Abram does is he falls face down to the ground. So God has just said that to, to him. A guy who's 99 years old. I'm going to give you countless descendants. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to live blameless before me. I want all of you. I want everything. And what Abram does is he goes face down to the ground. In other words, this is Abram saying, all right, all right. You've got all of me, God. You have all of me. What we've seen here over time is God continues to change Abram over time, over time, over time, over time. He's changing him. He's changing him. He's changing him. And now he says, I'm going to give you countless descendants. And what does Abram say? But God, I'm 99. He doesn't say that. But God, I'm 99 and I don't have any kids. He doesn't say that. But God, I'm 99. It's been 25 long years. I, I think you've totally forgotten me. He doesn't say that. He goes face down to the ground. He's submitting to God. He's surrendering to God. He's saying, okay, God, you have all of me. And then further, the scripture says this. Then God says to him, listen, this is my covenant with you. Now get ready for this because this, this is a little different. I'll make you a multitude of nations. That's different. 
Because when we last saw God make this promise, he says, I'll make you into a great nation. Do you remember this? I'll make you into a great nation. Abram's like, okay, at the time I'm 75. I don't have any kids. I'm trusting you. He's waited for 25 years. Now he's 99, and God's saying, I'll make you into a multitude of nations, countless descendants. Now skip the whole 99 thing. Let's go to 89. Skip that. Go to 79. Go to 69. Go to 59. Those people in here who are 59, if you're married in here and you're 59, you actually go to bed praying, dear God, no more kids. Don't let it happen. I don't know how. I don't know what's happening. Just make sure that doesn't happen. We, we don't want any more of that. Am I right? Okay. 69, 79, 80, 99. And now God says, I'm going to give you countless descendants. I'm going to make you the father, not of a nation. Ah, he's changed it. I'm going to make you a father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. I'm making it official. I'm going to symbolize it. I'm going to, I'm going to put a marker on this. Because God has been in the process of transforming Abram over time. He's changing him, and now he's going to give him a different name to signify that there's been this change. He says, it'll no longer be Abram. That's not going to be your name anymore. Abram means exalted father. That's what Abram means, exalted father, father of many. That's what Abram means. He says, instead, you'll be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. God is transforming him. God steps in and says, I want all of you. And Abram goes face, ground, face to the ground. Yes, God. Yes, God. I will do that. And God says, okay, then here's what I'm going to do. Because I'm asking for all of you. I'm transforming you. I'm changing you. I'm changing even your very name. No longer exalted father, father of many. You will now be the father of many nations. That's what God's wanting to do. Right? He goes on in verse 6 and he says, I'll make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations. And by the way, have they become many nations? Because we always go, well, it's the Israelites. No, no, no. Listen, if you ask anybody in Israel, you'll say, you'll say who's their father? They would all tell you Abraham. If you ask any Arab, the Arabs will all say that Abraham is their father through his first son, Ishmael, who wasn't the son that God had planned for him through Hagar the handmaid. It was through Sarah. God said, your descendants will come through Sarah. God made him into many nations, just exactly as he said. He said, even kings will be among them. It's interesting. I, I just think sometimes we misunderstand what God's power means. And we minimize God's real power. I asked you earlier, I said, man, when you think of God's power, when you think of God's power, when you think of God's power, what do you think of? What do you think of? What do you think of? Now, maybe you're not a church folk and you didn't grow up in the church, but I'm going to tell you how church kids think. Because church kids, we see all kinds of things like, oh, God spoke creation into existence. That's God's power. He didn't do anything. He just spoke words. Boom. Creation came into existence. Right? Or we would say, oh, remember this? Remember this? The Israelites were slaves for 400 years in Egypt. This is, this is before they, they even get to the, uh, the promised land. This is, this is after what we're reading about now. Right? And we say, oh, they were coming out of Egypt and they were trapped up against the Red Sea and God split the sea. Remember that? That's God's power. That's God's power. That's God's power at work. Remember their first battle when they were going back into the promised land then? God says, you guys are going to conquer the city of Jericho. Psst, don't worry about it. I'm doing this. All you got to do is march around the walls. March around the walls and then give a great yell. And they did. Remember the walls? 
The walls come down. We go, man, that's the power of God. That's the power of God at work right there. That's the power. Remember when he defeated the prophets of Baal through the prophet Elijah? Elijah says, okay, we'll have a little contest here. You guys, you guys go ahead and you get this wood ready and you guys ask the gods, ask your gods to come and ignite this wood. And they pray and they pray and they cry and they start cutting themselves and they're screaming out. And I love sarcasm. And so Abram's like, uh, maybe you should yell louder. Maybe your gods just aren't hearing you. Maybe you should yell louder. And they get all done. And then Abram says, okay, my God's going to light this one on fire. Why don't we do this? Why don't we soak it in water? Why don't we soak it? And they soaked it with water. You remember this? And then, they, and then Elijah prayed and God incinerated the whole thing. We go, oh, that's the power of God. That's the power of God. That's the power of God. Maybe you go right to the New Testament. You see Jesus raised from the dead. He was, he was dead. He wasn't just dead. He was good and dead. He was dead three days. He was laying in the tomb. And on the third day, he walked out. We go, that's the power of God. That's the power of God. And I would say every one of these are the power of God. Every one of these are the power of God. But see, I think we most oftentimes see the power of God somewhere else. And I think we don't even recognize it. I think when I saw your story this morning, I'm like, that's the power of God, sister. That's the power of God. And I know other stories in this church. I know other stories in this church, and I say, that's the power of God. So I want you to get this for the big so what this morning. The power of God is most often seen in the power to transform you. That's the power of God. The power of God is seen in your transformation. And many of you have transformation stories. You were this, but now you're that. Right? You have transformation stories. I always like to look at the, the Apostle Peter because I, I just have admiration for the Apostle Peter and I just identify with him. He was a smart mouth dude. He was a smart mouth dude. And he'd just say stuff. He'd just blurt it out. Anybody identify that? Say it first and then think about it later. Yeah, think about, let's think about it later. Really. Well, let me think about what I just said. Hmm. That was Peter. And even then, you remember that? We, he denied Christ three times. I always like to say that. Remember that? He ran away. He was afraid of a middle school girl. He denied Christ. He was afraid of her. And he ran away. And then the power of God transformed him. Man of God, voice of the early church, a man with courage because God transformed him. I think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul grew up in a Jewish home, Jewish, Jewish, Jewish. Hated Christians. Traveled different towns, having Christians dragged out of their homes. Wanted to have them thrown in prison. Probably deep down was hoping that they'd be killed. He, that, that, was, that was Paul. That was Paul. And then he met the encountered Christ. He, he, he encountered the risen Christ. And he was transformed. He was transformed. He became the, the greatest missionary the church has ever known. Lived a life of great persecution. Why? For the sake of Christ. That's why. I mean, a lot of you are going to think your own stories. I think about my own story. This is what I do for a living. I teach the Word of God. This is what I do. And when I was a little kid, I had a lisp so strong. It was such a powerful lisp. And I, was, and I would go to speech classes, right? And they would have me, you know, Sally sells seashells down by the seashore. We would do silly things like that. And that's the same mouth God uses, except then when I got into like sixth grade and seventh grade, man, we were foul mouth kids. We ran around the neighborhood cursing at folks, making gestures at folks. 
We did things that kids shouldn't be doing. And then the power of God transformed my life when I was a sophomore in high school. And now God uses that same lisping, foul mouth to teach the word of God. How do you explain that? That's the power of God. That's the power of God. God wants to transform people. And I'm telling you, so many of you have transformation stories. And people would never know because we see you and we just like, oh, snap. That's a Christian right there, man. That's a real Christian. And you'd say, if you only knew. See, if you only knew the way that God has transformed my life. God wants to change you. God wants to transform you. Let me tell you something. He has the power to do it. No longer men of fear, men of faith. No longer warrior women. We're going to have some warrior women. Men and women of truth and men and women of righteousness. Children of God, men of God, women of God. No longer people who are known as greedy, people who are known as generous. No longer people who lack integrity, people who walk in integrity. God's people. God wants to transform you. And he has the power to do it. That's God. Listen, if we're going to lead the way, if we're going to lead the way, God's going to have to transform us. Because most likely we, we're not going to be able to do it from where we're at right now. God is going to have to transform us individually. And then God is going to have to transform us as a church, as a body of believers. God's going to have to change and transform us. And the beauty of it is, it's not just that he wants to, he can. He has the power to. Right? When we say, God, you can have all of me. God, you can have all of me. God, you can have all of me. Because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take every bit of us. It's going to take every bit of us. So, what's going to have to happen? Well, here's what's going to have to happen in the next couple weeks. Because next week is the last week of this series. And next week is the week when we're going to say, okay, we've been talking about it. We've had our faith promise cards, our, our goals, our cards, our faith goals. And we'll hand them out again next Sunday, right? And so I've asked you to do a number of things. I've asked you to pray. I've asked you to plan. I've asked you to dream. I've asked you, yes, we're going to seek God. We're going to seek God. We're going to seek God. We're going to say, God, what do you want me to do? Now, what do I want? First, I'm just going to ask God, God, what do you want me to do? And then we're going to plan. We're going to make some plans. We're going to make some plans. But then we're going to dream. We're going to dream. We're going to dream. We're going to say, what happened if God became a part of this? Not just my plans. What if God got into this? What if God was, was a part of this? Then what would that look like? What would, what would my faith goal look like if I included God in the faith goal? What would that look like? Right? And then next Sunday at the end of the service, we'll have a, we'll have a moment as the church. We'll put buckets up here on the platform and, and we'll worship. And I'm going to ask you to bring those cards. We've talked about this a little bit because some of you say, I don't like to write it down on a card necessarily. Look, I get that. I, I can totally respect that. I would just ask you to understand as a church, we're trying to make plans. And it's hard to make plans when you don't know what you're planning with. And so I'm asking that we'd all participate in this. Now, we've also talked about this, that giving and generosity is a journey. And it's really an interesting thing to me in the church. We say, I know, brother, you, you just came to Christ. Hey, God's going to clean up your mouth over time, and we're going to give you some room for that. We're going to make some allowance for that. But we don't ever do that with giving, with generosity. It's like, boom, the minute you become a Christian, 10% of all of your income comes to us. And folks are like, what? That's a hard one. And so we say this, this giving is a journey. 
It's a journey. And so we've talked about the different types of givers. Everybody's a potential giver. Everybody's a potential giver. And then kind of people become emerging, what I would call an emerging giver. And emerging givers do this. They walk in every once in a while and they go, hey, they're taking the offering right now. The bucket's going by. You got a, you got a 10? You got a 20? Maybe you got a 50 today? Sure. Right? That's an emerging giver, just occasionally. Right? Nothing wrong with that. Man. We love that. God loves that. But then beyond that, there's what we call a consistent giver, a regular giver, a consistent giver. And consistent givers, regular givers are the people who say this, this is the plan I make every month. Come rain or shine, right? This is what I do every month. It might be $100, it might be $200, it might be $300, it might be $50, it might be $500, it's, it's your amount. And for some of you, you think of it as a percentage. This year, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give about 3%, 5%. That's what I'm going to do. Praise God. That's awesome. That's awesome. Giving is a journey. Would the next year, would you up at a percentage? Would you ever say, man, this year is going to be a big year. It's going to be 6%, 6%. Awesome, awesome. Giving is a journey. And then some of you are tithers. And if you're not a tither, this might be your first year. You're, I'm going to be a tither. Tither means one-tenth. It's 10%. The math is easy. It's 10%. And some of you are going to say, this is going to be our first year. We're going to be tithers. We're going to be tithers. We're trusting God. Man, God, you're, you're, you're going to have to supply. We trust you, right? And then there's even an extravagant giver above and beyond that where you go, man, we've always been tithers. But this year, I, I think it's actually going to be 12%. We've never done that. How could we possibly do that? God, would you, right? You're going to do that. We've talked about our older model of kingdom builders, and we're not quite doing that anymore, just so you know. We're giving to all the same things. We're supporting our 100 missionaries. We're giving to all the same projects. But we've just gotten plenty of feedback that says, actually, that's a little confusing for us. We attract a lot of newer people, and they're like, well, am I giving to Cedar Valley? Do I give to Kingdom Builders? What am I doing here? It's all one thing. So if you've been giving to Kingdom Builders, what well, we would ask you next week when you write on that slip, we would ask you to say this, here's my tithe. I've always been a tither. Above and beyond that, I've given to Kingdom Builders. I'm going to put that together in one lump. And so I'll give you just a couple examples just to help walk you through this. Let's say you're single income home, and you, give, you make $50,000 a year. You're a single person, single, single parent. You say, I'll give $50,000 a year. And now you say, this is the year I'm actually going to become a tither. That's real simple math. That's $5,000. God, I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to do that. That's a big step for me, God. But I'm going to give $5,000. And actually, God, above and beyond that, we'd like to be an extravagant giver. I'd like to be an extravagant giver this year. I'm actually going to give an additional five, an initial 1000 And so next week when you fill out your form, at the, at the bottom of your form, you're just going to put $6,000. You're going to trust God. You're going to believe God for that. God's going to provide. God, I, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to do this, but I'm trusting you. I'm believing in you, Father. I believe you'll take care of this. What if you were dual income home? What if you're dual income and between the two of you, you made $100,000 in your home, right? And you said, man, this is going to be our first year. We're going to be tithers. God, we're going to do it. We trust you. We understand tithe 10 means test. We talked about that last week. God, you test me. We're going to do that. And so a tithe would be $10,000 at our house next year, God. I don't know how we're going to do that, but we're trusting you. And then even then you said, hey, above and beyond that, God, we'd, we'd like to be extravagant givers. This is what we used to maybe give to kingdom builders or something like that. We're going to include that in it. And even above and beyond that, you know how sometimes you go, I know I'm getting a pay raise in three months. Or you had a rainy day fund and you had a couple, you know, you had some money sitting in there. You said, even God, even above and beyond the extravagant, we're going to give some additional. We're going to give $4,000 more. And so the end of the year, your total would look like $17,000. Father, that's a big number. How would we do that? We're trusting you, God. Right. That's exactly what we're going to do. That's exactly. We'll do it next week. We'll do it next week at the end of our service. I will say this. 
the lesson you're going to see next week from Abraham's life, don't ask me to explain it because I don't think I can. I'm not exactly sure how to explain the one we're going to see next week and what Abram did. I don't think I can explain it, but we're going to believe by faith, right? And it's going to be the hardest one for us. It's going to be the hardest one for us. And then in any of the service, we'll wrap it up with that. But I want you to know this, man. We talk about all the ways that we see God's power. You are the display. Many of you are the display of God's power. Because God's power is seen as the power to transform you. And many of you have experienced it.